I hope wherever you are listening to me that you are happy to be there and that you are comfortable and aware of that comfort. Happy Saturday. Happy Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, happy Thursday, happy Friday. Two guests today, two really, really beautiful souls, Lisi and Claudia, the costume designer and makeup artist for Terrence Malick's film from last year, A Hidden Life. profoundly relevant film about an Austrian farmer who refused to take an oath and fight for Nazi Germany. A long film, an honest film, the energy of the film is very similar to Lacey and Claudia's calm, kind, thoughtful, present genuine I'm very very grateful to have been able to spend time with them I hope with the variety of thoughts that are sure to have existed before having heard this that though likely more abundant, perhaps more aggressive, perhaps more demanding of attention, I hope that these thoughts have all had an awareness behind them that there is always cause for the increase in abundance and demand of thoughts and that the thoughts are a long reaction a part of a long reaction and then when they get to you you can either sit with them or let them go or both I hope there's been a lot of letting go I hope there's been a lot of peace in light of chaos. Sending you love today. I hope you feel as kind inside as I did during my conversations with Lisi and Claudia. And that you have a sweet day. Here are my conversations with these two kind people. Sky in Berlin. Mm. Yes. Well, it's very rare thing in this time of the year, I can tell you. Yeah? Yes, exactly. What's it usually like? Very gray. Hmm. The deepest clouds you can imagine. 
<laughs> yes. Sometimes you have to disappear. Of course. In another country with more blue sky. What do you find most inspiration in, a blue sky or a gray sky? More in the blue skies. For sure. How did you find me, Kate? <laughs> mm. I found you by seeing a hidden life and being inspired. And usually when I, when I see films with the aim of chatting with the people who make it, I just go through, see the see the people behind it and uh see if they're interested so here we are and what is your relation with movie making i'm currently in film school right now actually mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In so hmm sorry where where in the states in, in i'm in michigan yeah. So it's very, very cold right now. <laughs> I, I see. I see. See, I thought you are in Los Angeles, of course. Oh, my goodness. I wish I was. <laughs> I'm not sure about this, but anyways. <laughs> anyway. So. But I plan to be. And what's going to be your future dream? I have lots I'd like to do. I'd like to do some documentary filmmaking. I'd like to continue to talk to artists like this. I think it's really important to talk about the art form as much as it is to make it. And I appreciate the ability to be able to have a bit of a place to do that. So I, I think I'd like to do this in some capacity for that time. But onward, I, I don't know. I've, I've been very drawn to production design. I've really appreciated that aspect of filmmaking so maybe i'll do something in that i'd like to make my own films eventually directing is a bit of a big step but but i wouldn't mind taking on the challenge so yeah but enough about me let's talk about you and your costume design and the beautiful costume well, design very interesting you know, at least to know with whom you are talking about something of course and i appreciate you asking So how did A Hidden Life come across your plate? Tell me a bit about it. How, um, hmm. how did it come? The hmm. line producer from a movie I did 10 years ago called Anonymous with Roland Emmerich. Yes. Uh, was the line producer from A Hidden Life. Wow. Or finally, one of the producers, I think this is actually the, his credit. Mm -hmm. He was line producer on Anonymous and producer on Hidden Life. Wow. And um, yeah, he actually contacted me. And it, you know, it, the whole project is really unusual story directed by Terence Malik. Uh, this is a very unusual combination. Yeah. And um, so, yes, um, the producer called me and a few weeks later I talked with Terence on the phone. And um, yeah, and this is it, actually. 
Wow. So, so is that how the process works? Is the director, is the director very hands-on with letting you know what he'd like to see or what they'd like to see? How does the design process come along? I, I think, first of all, it's never the same. Right. It's always very different. Mm-hmm. And um, see, in I, I would say in my case, of course, at the very beginning, I ask many questions. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of interviewing people. Right. Then I really like to have my own time with my own thoughts and most of the time my first step is kind of a research book. Mm-hmm. You know, first this research book is not necessarily about how the main actor looks like and how his wife looks like. Right. It, more um, like in hidden life you know it's um, my father comes actually from the region where the story is based oh my goodness I mean more from the German side this this town or this village is very close to the Bavarian German border and especially at this time you know the border moved easily uh, a bit in this direction or in the other direction mm. so um, and this is what I actually did for for Terence I worked on a research book about the people in this region about their life about everything what surrounds what surrounded them in the 40s and um, not only this region you know it was more about uh, research about Austria and and Bavaria Mm -hmm. and um, so we shared the Dropbox folder (laughs) and um, I moved it in in the evening and in the morning I had an answer and this was for quite a while this was our communication we wrote to each other Mm. and out of this research book I worked on um, yeah on the characters and when I came on board it was actually clear who's gonna act in the main parts yeah yeah, I met, you know, then I met the actors and we made very brief fittings, more style-wise, how they look like in this kind of clothes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really never the same, but uh, I found it very interesting to, to deal with the amount of freedom what Darren Smellick gives you. That's beautiful. You know, it's. Uh, I think we all dream about more freedom, and <laughs> all of a sudden there is one of the biggest directors on this planet, and he gives you so much freedom. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't know how to fill it. You know? <laughs> 
it's uh it's appropriate for the film too <laughs> so and it it seems like so much more fulfilling process than just putting costumes on like you got to learn you got to experience that time and that culture differently and i feel like it's it's just amazing that you you also get to learn something in the process of making the film like something similar that the viewer would get from watching it yeah absolutely and you know the most interesting part was not working on a story like this with a european director no you work with terence malik mm -hmm. from the united states right and he, um, on this very particular story it's really very particular and you know i did not know about it my father knew it wow you, you know what i mean it's um i think the point of view from terence malik is a totally different point of view right and yeah absolutely it, it's actually what I really enjoyed. We, we never talked about, I like this pair of pants or I like this um, apron. It, um, it was a different communication. Mm -hmm. Actually, maybe more about, most of the time about colors. Yeah. Because how he works has the most important part of the crew is actually natural light. Yeah. The sun. Mm -hmm. And a so lot of this sun. was like to talk with a painter, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Um, it was not about short sleeves or long sleeves or whatsoever. It was about the color in a certain light. Yeah, it's a very, especially considering the chronology of the film, like it seems like the color is very important in, in capturing their, their moods. Do you, did you feel that the, the costumes changed throughout the story in a certain way? Or yes, they did, because um, I don't know if you're a bit aware how he works. Uh, on every film set I worked so far and worked since then, there is um, a script supervisor mm -hmm. or script continuity, however you call it, but uh, not on a Terence Malick set. Really? No. Hmm. And this makes all the difference because <laughs> there, there is no continuity in a very classical filmmaking sense or idea. Right, I can appreciate that. And this is, again, you know, to fill the void, what, um, it's another amount of freedom, and this amount of freedom made me a bit afraid at the beginning, because <laughs> I mean, we all learn something and all of a sudden this doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It just doesn't Absolutely. exist. Absolutely. It's scary. And it's, um, 
So there is a call sheet, how we all know call sheets. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we never started with the with the chronology of the scenes written on the call sheet. Okay. Because he, he arrived in the morning and he saw the light and then we started in the room with the best light. And mm. there was never the costume we prepared because we prepared the costume for, like it's written on the call sheet because you have to follow something. Right. You know? Right. So it was... And then I went to this room and I looked... Okay, this is what we're gonna do here, and we made a switch from whatever it was—the blouse or the shirt—very mm-hmm. fast. And this was it, actually. So I, I think, in a way, there are a few costumes. They are like. They wear it like I planned it at the beginning, um, but I would say about eighty percent, especially when they are at home, uh, is totally different than I like I imagined it in the beginning. Hmm. Can you follow me? Yeah, absolutely. But that's kind of nice to to have the unexpected. Yes, I like the unexpected mm-hmm. in this way because you know it's I could follow him. I could follow his idea and um, and after a way it's after a while and this is very interesting you I forgot about all these years. Uh, with okay, this is a classic chronology, and this is how it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoyed the freedom very much. Yeah, it it really seems. It took, to... it took me a little moment. It was <laughs> not right there, to be honest. Hmm. It it seems to give light to the phrase like method to madness, or like there being a a structure to structurelessness that sometimes we need. I appreciate knowing that. Wow. That's mm-hmm. right. How did you go about um, dealing with the prison, the prison scenes, and that that sort of drab difference in in wardrobe? Um, see, the, the the costume in in the prison, they had already cost, uh, uniforms, mm-hmm. and uh, we did not really copy them but we followed a certain rule mm-hmm. and um, yeah we we made all of them about 100 wow um, and um, yeah this this was it actually and you know of course um, August couldn't lose so much weight <laughs> in the same time so right. he lost he lost weight uh, but at the same time we helped him with different sizes right yeah you can see it for sure yeah but he, he he lost weight at the same time and of course you know makeup helps and yeah so. the, the I noticed strongly the makeup towards the end he was just looking gaunt and yeah 
miserable was powerful. Yeah. 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 So when you're, when you're making the costumes, how does it look from like a hierarchy standpoint? Like what do you do? And then your workshop, like how does it, how does the process begin and end? Um, it's never the same, but on this, on this project, we had our own workshop. Wonderful. Um, and, um, we, so for the two main characters, um, it's more more or less I would say about eighty percent is made custom made mm -hmm. and um, but we went as well to some local costume houses mm. we have two very good houses in Berlin and uh, another one down in Bavaria it's a lo it's a costume house only with originals from originals from the time only wow costume houses most of the time have still a quite an, a big uh, collection of uh, original clothes but this particular very small one in bavaria um he has really only originals from this particular region mm -hmm. that's fascinating so it's a mixture you know made in our workshop in other workshops and um rental houses mm. wow how is um seeing the film does the does knowing all the work you've done on seeing the film change the film for you in any way like do you feel too attentive See, I went to Cannes to the premiere, mm -hmm. and um, of course, I'm still very nervous. <laughs> um, and on this one, you know, um, of course, you see rushes, but usually I don't like to see rushes very much because, um, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you don't like what you see, and then it it has to do with your motivation. Right. So in a way, I don't. I, I, of course, sometimes I watch them, but um, not every day. <laughs> right. Um, and so I was not sure if if we went a bit too local. You know what I mean with too local. Yeah, a I do. Too, uh, mountain costume, originals, um, tragic tragedy, mm -hmm. and um, it's very rare. But this is a, a movie I saw it now twice, mm -hmm. and the very first time, usually, I think it's not only me, we all look, oh, so, oh, there's a problem. Oh, <laughs> You know, right. you are the idiot in your own, trapped in your own world. Mm -hmm. um, not, uh, of course, of course, sometimes, but most of the time, really, was a regular movie spectator. Mm. Yeah, that's good that you can still have that. I mean, it's it's such a powerful film that the 
Yeah. It's not as if the costume design is going to be trying to take away from the story in any way. You know, it's a humble, yeah. it's a very humble situation, it seems. It's, 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 not, it's, it's about a very humble, extraordinary situation. Mm-hmm. And I think the main actors are definitely the main actors and the nature and the unspoken part of the story mm-hmm. yeah for certain what is what does the film do for you in present day how does how does it what did you take from it aside from from your if you can remove yourself enough to be just a spectator what did the morals of the story and the values of the situation do for you i think you know it has a lot to do with bravery um, with um, um, to defend your your uh, point of view, it has a lot to do with humbleness, shyness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it's just me, but. I don't think it is, but it, it seems when we watch things like that, of course, you're going to ask yourself, like, what would I do if I were him or if I were her or if I were anyone in this situation? And it's such a strange moral playground to get into because, you know, you want to say that you'd, you'd do this or you do that, but it's so tough. It, it makes those people so much brighter when you see that they actually just stick to what it is they're they're believing in and you know do you know there is um, a book edited by I think one of the daughters about the the letters the the Jägerstetter couple they wrote letters to each other Mm -hmm. uh, when he was present and she was back home with the children do you know this i didn't know there was a book no i i was curious as to how it's only the exchange of letters right this this is the book it's not a novel it's Uh the letters from from this couple and that um, is so powerful first of all you know in this uh very specific society people did not write letters to each other like the two of them wrote letters to each other really it's not a classical love letter mm-hmm. but it you know since my family comes from this region uh, of course i can read what is written between the lines right um but already the fact um that these two very religious people wrote these letters to each other is very very special mm-hmm. and um I th- you can clearly read they were deeply in love wow they had these three very very sweet girls um I think the the movie captures this very well. They were happy with each other. I really felt like... Mm -hmm. 
I felt very, very invested in them. Like, they're, I don't know. Movies sometimes toy with, like, conflict between significant others, like, loosely. And it just felt very, like, they were committed in every sense of the word, it seemed. And that, and that's what I was going to ask you, is if you felt the the letters were done justice in the English adaptation. But that that's amazing that they were. Yeah, that, that shot of August when he when they're just sitting on the hill and he just kisses her forehead, it's like, I don't know. It's tough to say a lot and very little when it comes to filmmaking and love, I think, because so much has been done and so much different love language has been expressed. Yes. But I think, especially when, when he came back for the first time, I thought that was amazing, amazingly done. Because it, yes. it felt like that's what would happen is you would just you'd be a little like chaotic. You wouldn't even know what to do with yourself. And you know, these people farmers living in the mountains, um I think you know, they did not talk too much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more um it's the daily, the daily life. It's the caring about the the, the children, um, the animals, the fields, um, over and over again. And right. all of a sudden, you become such an outlaw in this small community, and and. Um, the compromise was not possible for him right. and look after the first after there was um, a little premiere in berlin a few weeks ago and and people said but how could he he had three children right right they, they could disappear take the children and go away um but he didn't i mean you know uh, I'm not judgmental. It's just, as a matter of fact, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. I mean, I definitely felt that feeling, and I didn't. I, I didn't. I don't know if it was anger, but it's you obviously get that sensation of like, oh my goodness, like, like I, I don't remember who says it. I think it's like towards the very, very end, but they say like, your word is not what's in, or he says that God doesn't care. God cares what's in your heart, you know, not what's in your words. And even so, like I'm, I'm trying. I try to imagine a situation in which I would need to hold to my word so strongly. You know, it. It's interesting because it is a selfish decision in a way to say I like he's putting himself saying me. I'm not going to do that, but in a way, like it's so. It's, I don't know. It's far worse. It's far worse than that. I'm like. It's not always healthy to imagine what would have happened if this hadn't worked or this hadn't worked, but you try to, it, he would feel like less of a person. I, yeah. I don't know. He, he would give up a lot more than just fear of his, his faith or like he'd have to think about explaining the situation to his children and seeing his children grow up in that not knowing. In the, in the last letter where he says, by the time your mother reads this, your father will be dead. 
I was like, oh my goodness, because... Yeah, and this, you know, uh, this is actually the, the truth, and this is written in the letters, and this is not the imagination from Terence Malick. Um, this is written in these letters, and... Um, wow. Yeah, this is very powerful, and um, I don't think these, these letters are translated. Um, but anyway, you saw the movie, and I think it's very, very close to everything. And um, I must ask him actually if the uh, the daughters are still alive. Mm. And uh, I know he was in contact with the daughters. How it is? What are they think about the movie? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be powerful to watch. My goodness. Because they were so young. But I just think of how different they would be as people. And maybe not so different, but like definitely from the legacy that he left to know that your father did such a thing. That's a, that's a heavy moral like building. Yes, it's a, a heavy building. And, and her, she died only a few years ago. She became very old. Mm-hmm. So she had to walk a long day without him, and um, yeah, it's very it's it's interesting, and you know, even more interesting to talk only about costume making because <laughs> um, out of your heart or soul or whatever is it just try to guide the story with um, the with a very humble way of costume making yeah you like yeah exactly you don't want to make it about the costumes you know exactly this it's not about costumes it's just of course they um it has to look warm and it has to look uh it you have to smell it you know what i mean you have to smell absolutely work oh they don't have a huge closet it's um mm-hmm. actually these people they had a work clothes and a sunday dress and yeah. um, some woolen things for winter when I saw when I saw the film, I was in a really large theater by myself, and I was the only one in there, and I was completely immersed. Like I, it was it was one of those things where you sort of disassociate, and it's just you in the film, and you're not really thinking about the fact that you're watching a film. So I, I was very appreciative of that, and the costumes absolutely help. And it's funny because since I knew we were going to be chatting, I was trying to pay particular attention to the costumes, but I just kept, but in a good way, I just kept getting lost and I just kept thinking, wow, that's a beautiful dress, but oh my goodness, like nothing, nothing seemed put together in the best way, if that makes sense. It's not an insult, but. Thank you very much. Oh yeah. Thank you very, very much. You know, um, if, if you think this, uh, it's even more important 
for me because this is not the kind of clothes you see on a regular basis. Right. Isn't so, um, How do yeah. you feel about the simplicity you were talking about? How does, how does the thought of a life like that, how does it make you feel thinking about living a life that's very simple, less spoken, less chaotic, no connection internationally, etc.? Like what? What does the idea of living like that make you feel, compared to today, to today or not? See, um, I live in this time, and I have a phone like you have a phone. And I, are you still there? No. Now I lost. I. I am here. You hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh goodness! I don't want to lose you. I can hear you well now if you can still hear me. Okay, yeah. Um, so yes, I have a phone just like you. <laughs> you know, it was it, it would be easy to say, oh, what a dream to live in a house like this, uh, embedded in mountains and nature and simplicity. Uh, but the truth is I live in Berlin, 2020. Um, um, I have a, a nice heating in my apartment. <laughs> You know what I mean. I have a nice. Yeah. And of course, I'm, I'm, I'm used to a certain um, life standard, and I'm very realistic. I enjoyed it very much to be on these locations during summertime. Yeah. But talked with the owner of the main location, and. Um, you know, it's a different cup of tea, really. And uh, I think we all can make it, but it takes quite a lot of strength to live like this. Absolutely. Because we are not used to it. Mm. Yes. You know, already when the warm water in the morning doesn't work, <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> oh, oh my God, what a disaster. <laughs> Right. See, and uh, this house was really like, uh, I think the, the, the farmer who owns it, he did not change anything wow. since generations. So uh, no running water, no um, indoor toilet and all these things. And um, mm. we don't have snow anymore in Berlin. But in this region, I can tell you there is a lot of snow. <laughs> so <laughs> winter time is is hard and long, and yeah, um, I think we can manage everything. But I don't dream this naive dream of um, I would be the happiest person on earth. Right. Because I'm a city child. <laughs> yes. I think it has a lot to do as well, you know, now talking everybody, uh, in, including me, about climate change and how the textile industry is a big part of it. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about... Um, um, it's really 
really only a decade ago, people had a very small closet, mm-hmm. really with only what what they needed. I mean, I don't talk about rich people. I talk about this kind of um, simple farmers. Mm-hmm. And um, see, the amount of clothes we produce these days, um, buying jeans for oh. $5, um, this is a massive, massive uh, change. And when we first talked about the costumes, I, I, I said to, to Terence, look, um, I, I remember very well the small, small cupboard of my grandfather. And uh, there was one suit, a few pair of pants, a few shirts, um, a cardigan, two pair of shoes, one overcoat, you know, very, very simple. Right, right. And, um, and now we talk about um, textile detox, about um, um, digital detox, you know, this right. all happened in a, in a, if you see it fr- from, um, the historic point of view, this mm. is really not a very long time. No. And I think my desire would be to go more towards a more realistic direction, forgetting about this huge consumption of everything. For this sure. is what would enjoy. Yes. The older I get, the more that I tend to just do a sweep of my closet and donate half of it. <laughs> and then I just yeah. have a couple of plain t-shirts, a couple of pair of sweatpants, a couple sweatshirts. And I'm like, this is really like, if I'm comfortable each day, what's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, and I think, I think the root of a lot of anxiety is that it's become, there's too many options. Like there are too there are more options than our minds can handle in terms of like desire and collection. Like if, yeah. if there are infinite shirts, then how are you supposed to decide which shirts like the best one for you? Because I consider clothing to be a very perhaps overlooked, but obviously you'd understand an, an intimate, intimate piece of our lives. What we decide to wear and how we decide to portray ourselves to the world yeah. is is very directly linked with our emotions and how we're feeling on any given day. So yeah, it's on your skin, you know, right. And this is, and I think, um, a big part of the society has already lost, um, this connection with, uh, how do you really feel? And how much is the material lying on your skin part of it? And see, again, people um, in this time, I think most of the fabric were still hand-woven in these rural areas. So can you imagine the? this is definitely slow textile making? Right. I mean, really in the in the sense of slow 
mm-hmm. not only in the idea but in the real sense of weaving um, and, and and sewing and th- this is a different different um, value oh yeah this um, it's not just going somewhere and buying no. every piece of clothes has his own history mm-hmm. it's gonna feel far different wearing a, a scarf that you know your mother spent three months knitting for you than buying one from a store that six other people right outside have yeah which is funny how sensitive we are to things like that because you know some might say a scarf's a scarf but there are these emotional connections to things that we sometimes ignore i think yes i think so too and see this this uh, was i mean lucky luckily um us both actors valerie and august they are both theater actors and mm-hmm. um, very sweet and and um and on top of it it's uh, valerie she she as well she comes from this region she's austrian wow didn't know um and you know there was no. It was not about labels. It was about storytelling. Absolutely. And this brings the joy of costume making. Hmm. Yeah. For certain. Do you want to tell me a bit about um, your adolescence and your your journey into becoming a costume designer? And how you came to be one? Mm. This is very simple because it was always my dream. There was never anything else. I love that so much. That makes my heart full. Um, from, you know, since I can think this was my dream. Wow. Um, and um, first I wanted to... Uh, to learn how to sew because I'm very, uh, I have to understand everything, you know, the structure. I have to understand from everything the structure. And Absolutely. then I can continue. And so I made this apprenticeship as a um, tailor. Mm-hmm. And I continue to work in the workshop in a theater in Munich. And then I made my master, um, and then I already started to be an assistant for theatre plays, and very quickly for movies as well. And um, and in I worked on my first movie as a designer. Wow. And this was with Michael Haneke. Yes, absolutely. The Castle from mm-hmm. Kafka. This mm-hmm. was my first work as a designer. Um, but, you know, from really from the very beginning, I had never much joy about playing with dolls, but I had a lot of joy with... Um, 
building little theater stages <laughs> and um, imagine who is who and yeah this was more my cup of tea from the very really from my early childhood on what what sort of household did you grow up in that was conducive to such a an imaginative dream was it an art, um, artistic household no not at all really no, no. Um, my father had a garage and he sold cars mm. what i think is it was the dream of my mother as well but she couldn't live it really yeah and yes there i i have the facts for this um, um, yeah, and, and, um, I fought for it and I did it. Yeah. Did you and yeah. her ever get to talk about your success in that and how, um, how, how she it died felt? Very, she died very young. Oh goodness. And, I'm sorry to I, hear. And, um, yeah, but I think uh, my father is still alive and I think he's really proud. That's amazing. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know how is your upcoming and surrounding, but I think the whole process of movie making, um, how can you explain this? How can you explain to somebody who has uh, never experienced this craziness how it works? Mm-hmm. And uh, why you have to get up at four o'clock in the morning and you come back? <laughs> in the evening I think it's almost impossible to to explain why and how <laughs> um, yeah well it's a beautiful process I think it is it is it is do you feel fulfilled in your absolutely. work yeah absolutely yeah you know I think uh, for all of us there are the difficult days and the great days. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, this is what I love and I have... Uh, this is what I do. And I have no... No, um, no doubts that I'm in the right place. That yeah. is a very special feeling to have. Yeah. Very special. Yeah. So... I- are there any projects in particular that you'd still like to work on or any any eras or or any goals that you still have set that are specific i mean you know there are still many eras to discover many (laughs) i think you know uh, the earliest i did was 16th century oh my goodness there are a few before the 16th century Mm-hmm. And uh, a few others in between, and at the end of the day, it's about the interesting stories about the right. people you with. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I've not the feel, I've not at all the feeling I've seen, I've seen it. Um, no, no. Mm-hmm. There are the days. Yes, you think I've seen it, but. Uh, <laughs> like the one before uh, and even if you 
work on the same time period again it's um, a different angle it's a different point of view it's a different actor it's a different DOP it's it's never the same actually hmm. so yeah I'm still very I, I still love it and um, <laughs> and I don't think about um, retirement <laughs> <laughs> well that's beautiful I'm so happy that you have that when did you see the movie in December or when um I saw it I believe last Thursday actually I just saw it a week ago because it's not it's not playing too widely where I'm at and the the theater distri- distribution for the film has been really strange too because Disney owns the production company I believe that is putting it out and so they were they were basically setting restrictions on the film that it needed to take up the amount of screen time that a Disney film does. So they were requesting that theaters could only play the film if it was on like one screen all day, that sort of thing. So a lot of theaters couldn't manage that considering all the films that have been released in the past month or so. So I actually had to drive a little bit out of the way to go see it, but it was a beautiful theater and I'm really happy really happy I had to but yeah I, w- I wanted to see it freshly freshly before we got the chat and I'm, I'm glad I did but it was I think it was the last show in my area at all for now and it was only it was at I think it was at about noon in the middle of the day <laughs> I was like okay well I absolutely have to see this so you know in Germany it's not released yet it's uh, end of January goodness yes yeah do you think yeah. do you think you'll go see it again Yes, of course. Uh, actually, there is a little again a premiere the day after tomorrow. Oh my god! And then um, I go with some students from one of the local art schools. Oh, that is wonderful. Costume design students. Mm. Uh, I go with them um, in about ten days. Wow. So, I'm going to see it again at least two times. That is so cool. Please contact me and let me know how, how your perspective changes on it over time. I would yeah. love to know. And I'm very curious, you know, to go with the students together and yeah. talk about it. Um, yeah, but um, let's see how the release works here. <laughs> and yet, and, and I know Disney bought Fox. I know. Yeah. Yeah. They're changing the name soon, I believe. They're dropping the fox, I think. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 What what can we do? What can we do? Only 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 hope that films like his continue to be made. That's that's all I wish. Uh yeah, me too. But you know, it's pretty obvious. Um. Films like this always had a difficult time, and um, I think the future will be very, very difficult for them. But anyway, this film is done, and um, and this film is done. Yeah. That it is. The story is told. Yes, the story is told, and um, I was part of it, and I'm very grateful. 
Well, I'm grateful to have been able to chat with you about it. Thank you for taking the time today to talk to me. I appreciate it a lot. I thank you very much. I think you'll, I don't, yeah, I'm curious to see if you'll be able to see it. Like, if you'll be able to see people trying to be comfortable again. Um, in the matter of fact, I talked to a producer here in Hollywood a couple of days ago, and he is also a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of writers there are literally busy right now to rewrite the scripts. So now they're sitting down basically. Do we need the fight scene in order to tell that story? Mm-hmm. Do they have to kiss in that scene, or can he or she just say say something and go, and we deliver the same message? So the writers are really trying everything, of course, to have a plan A, B, C to just get back to work. Right. Yeah. You know? For sure. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, interesting. How have you been I'm, keeping busy? Uh, I'm painting. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, also, that's what I always do my whole life in between my projects. I like to be home mm-hmm. by myself, quiet, meditative, and then I just have my canvas and I just play with colors and textures. And this is for me the opposite. Because when I'm on a project, it's boot camp. <laughs> so it's three months of 200, 300 people every day. Every day, 14, 15, 16 hours. Goodness. So it's intense. Yeah. It's really intense. So, and I have so many people and so many influence so that when I finish a project and in order to let go, I need to have my silence, my meditative. Right. You know, so this is to try to keep balance. Yeah. So, especially in the last movie with Terrence Malik. Obviously, I cannot talk too much Mm -hmm. about it. I'm still under the NDA and it didn't come out yet. But I was responsible for 153 cast members out of 25 different nations. (laughs) I had my crew out of eight different nations. Jeez. So that was challenging but i like it you Mm -hmm. know i mean it's exciting you know absolutely (laughs) how much do you like dictate what goes on or is it a lot of collaboration it is always a collaboration always Mm -hmm. um so every department in the movie of course they have a head of department Mm -hmm. they have a key 
and so on, you know. So, and the designers and the head of departments, of course, are way more involved than down the ladder, I want to say, right. you know. So, I do sit in the production meeting with director, cinematographer, the uh, production designer, costume designer, and then head of makeup and hair department. Gotcha. So that all the head of departments, they are always have the meeting and they're delegating. I need to know what is the costume designer working on? What is my part? And then I will delegate down to my other makeup and hair people. Gotcha. How do you how do you determine like I know a lot of positions will use lookbooks and they'll research. How do you decide what palettes you want to use, especially for something like a hidden life, which is a like historical piece? Like how do you decide? I mean, uh, when I work on historical movies, I mean, my first thing is books, computer and reading newspaper from the time mm. back then. It's a very, because now we can access all those digital, saved, scanned newspaper out of those times. That is for me very helpful because it's the true picture, you know. So I then read a lot of books. Um, And then, of course, I go on Pinterest. I go just regular Google and then I collect and I create my own storyboard, which then in the end, again, I will present to the costume department, present to the production designer, and then we together present it to the director. Mm. Because it is always visual, a whole picture. In Hidden Life, for example, August, in the later scene, when he is already weathered and yeah. worked up and, and looks concerned. So a lot of times for the director, it's difficult when I do the makeup and then they sit there in jeans and, you know, so it's it's a disconnect then. Mm-hmm. You know, the head is 90-41. Right. And <laughs> the clothes are... You know, 2020. Yeah. So we always try to do every head of department is doing the research and then we get together and have tests, you know, and then present it. Right. But at this point, I do want to mention to work with Terence Malik. It's a very special yeah. director. How so? So... I'm in the business for 20 years. I go on a new project, I get a script, and the script is my Bible. I write in the script, I make notes in the script, I almost learn the script by heart. And everything is organized. We have tests, we have camera tests. This is the regular life in the movie business. If you work for Terence Malik, you all have to let it go. Terence Malik gives the head of departments a script. We are allowed to read the script that we understand kind
kind of the story he wants to tell and then we give the script away mm. we don't we're not keeping the script because Terence is not scripted like every other director yeah he is not going scene by scene he needs from his crew the understanding of the story but then we have to perfectly improvise the situation on each day mm. so a lot of days we prepare for scenes we think we will shoot but then Terence is coming and says I don't like the weather <laughs> we will do something different <laughs> and we have no idea so it's a lot of trust and you really have to believe in your creativity you really have to believe in the teamwork and you have to yeah it's a huge trust thing so but i found it very liberating that's that's the exact word that i was going to use it's it sounds <laughs> it sounds liberating it sounds like free like it sounds yes. like you're making a documentary almost like with the way yes. that it's being shot it's, see that's beautiful because then then when you watch it with that knowledge you feel even more like connected to it because you know that the process of making it was a lot more like fluid and yes. like honest. I, I love yes. that. Yes. For example, when I work here in LA, I've worked or TV, I worked on Big Little Lies for HBO. So it's amazing, but there is so much money and so much control mm -hmm. that of course when you do a special effect and you have five tests before you are perfectionist in a different way right so terence malik we do not do any test wow for example when we started healing life I was not really sure how August will look in the end. Usually when I start a project, I know exactly in every scene who is looking and how. Mm -hmm. But with Terence, it's a journey. It's a true journey. And even though when I do makeup and he doesn't like it because I don't have a test. So I do as best in the moment mm -hmm. I do. He is always very calm. He always appreciates the input. And many times on set, he's like, no, Claudia, this is too much blood. And then he is not like a director, just take it away. Then he comes to me and says, you know, Claudia, think about where August was. Yes, he had a fight, but would you think it would be bloody? So he's really encouraging not just be a makeup artist and be perfect in the regards that it looks perfect. He really wants me 
to be inspired. You get to learn. You, know? you get to learn along with it. Yes, yes. So it's, I mean, it's my favorite director, and I'm very, very grateful to be in this small group of people. That's amazing. Who work, who work with him. Was it shot chronologically? No, not really. He tries to as much as he can. Mm hmm. But obviously, what we shoot is depending on location, right. on the weather, availability of actors, of course. In The Hidden Life, we try to be as chronologically for August, because August, for three months, was pretty much on a diet. Really? So we started shooting His Happy Life, you know, and he was good-looking man, and you see throughout the movie that he gets thinner, that he's really losing that. Mm -hmm. So, and that is one thing I cannot do as a makeup artist. I can make someone bigger, <laughs> but it's hard to make someone really thinner. Right. You know, so, and we tried as much to help August to achieve that, you know, that in the last few years when he went through his trouble, you know, that he got thinner and thinner and more weathered and that. So, it's brilliant. And, <laughs> and of course, always very nice Terence always shoots on original locations so yeah. this um, I mean I have seen amazing stage work from production designer where we are in the studio and they are built a beach and, a, and the gaffers and electrician they're lighted but Nothing is better than the original location. You are more in it, you know. That's that really interests me when, because something about the way he shoots and something about the way you're describing it, it feels like correct almost. Like it feels like that's a very authentic way to shoot a film. And I don't know, like there's something to say about that. I think that that feels yes. like right. Like, it feels yes. more authentic, in a way. Yes. Yes. And he is... That's also the difference from directors, you know. I prepare makeup. The director comes in the makeup trailer. He is checking the makeup. And for them, it's always that perfect. And when I work for Terrence, and I work on August, and I did his hand, and... I was not finished and Terrence came in the trailer and he came, hey, I just want to check on you guys, you know, how long and how you're doing. And I was nervous because he came in before I was actually done with my makeup. Mm -hmm. But that was in my mind. So he came in and he said, oh my God, he looks perfect. And I was like, no, I <laughs> didn't do that layer. And Terrence again, he said, Claudia, it is 9041. It has to be rough. Don't think perfect in a sense of a makeup book. Mm -hmm. When you think, no, I see a little bit of latex. And he said, 
it. It gives another layer. Mm. So it's really, really, really interesting. That is interesting. Have that experience. I think you cannot really compare. You know, it's hard to compare with other movies or other directors. But yeah. <laughs> I I spoke with uh, Lissy, I believe, the costume designer. Oh. Lissy Crystal. Yes. Her and I I had a chat a while ago about the film, too. Um, And she she described a very similar experience that Terrence was, like, completely different in the way that he discussed the project, worked with the people. So that I I love to hear that that continuity. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, yes. And I have worked with quite a few people by now. Mm -hmm. And um, he's definitely... Very, very, very special. Very special, you know. And he's very... I mean, he put people from set, you know. I mean, situation, you know, we're doing the scene and and then I see something on the face or too much sweat or something. And my makeup heart, of course, (laughs) my personal... (laughs) You know, doing a good job. You right. don't want to run in between the scene and sometimes, Claudia, go away, go, go to the catering, go get a coffee. <laughs> so that he knows where I'm coming from, right. of course, you know, but then I'm not allowed to interfere, even though August is dripping of sweat. <laughs> right. How did so, you get? How did you get on the project? How did you start working with him? Um, he, uh, uh, Terence Malik decided to do Hidden Life in Austria, Germany, in that area. Mm-hmm. So, and he wanted to have local people there. So, and I'm, even though I live in the US, but I'm from Germany, and I still have a residency in Germany. So, I work and live mm. on both continents, if you will. And over the time, I got kind of a a little reputation so that I know the U.S. system. Mm -hmm. I do speak English. I do speak German. Um, I can go on payroll in Europe. I can be on payroll in the U.S. So, and I work with also Waldemar Prokomsky, you I think you emailed him, mm-hmm. or you guys emailed for a while. He is my mentor. Uh, we know each other for, I think, 30 years. Wow. So he took me under when I came from makeup school, and I worked with him on a lot of different shows, different times. So it was kind of, you know, when it go, comes slowly together, you know, and it's a word of mouth kind of thing yeah. you know and then the production designer gets maybe interviewed and then he says hey where's who's the makeup and hair did you talk to claudia waldemar they are the biggest team in europe us and europe combined so and that's how we got hidden life and he was so happy with us that we did his next movie too <laughs> do you think you'll keep working together Yes, I if he, I hope you know, stays <laughs> yeah. healthy. And the last time we spoke.
spoke, he said, hmm, I think I will make a little one in Austin. So we will not travel that much, but you have to come to Austin. Mm-hmm. So that was his last, you know, I would see you in Austin. Right. <laughs> kind of thing. So, and because Terrence takes a long time for editing, I mean, we did Hidden Life in 2016. I didn't know that. Wow. Yes. <laughs> well, he, sh- he shoots a lot, doesn't he? Doesn't he shoot like a yes. lot of film? Yes. So he has, he to- I don't know, he told me, he has, I don't know, 20, 30 scripts at home, ready, half ready, and he shoots a lot. But he takes his time in editing. So Hidden Life we did in 2016. It took, what, three, four years it came out. We did The Last Planet last year. We shot 400 hours of film. Holy cow. (laughs) So it will take another four years until that comes out. But in the meantime, he will shoot something else. Wow. So that's kind of how he works, mm-hmm. you know. So I think he takes more time into editing. And also that is sometimes... So we are on set, in the scene. We do a scene a couple of times. And then he turns around. No. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Let's do something else. Let's take the hair off let's change costume and everybody's like <laughs> how does that fit and then Taryn says that's my problem <laughs> that's why I take four years of putting it right together so that's beautiful <clears throat> he's, he's a true he's a true storyteller he's a true artist you know um, and that's that's what I so much love you know not like I have worked on big special effect films where the director is literally just sitting behind the monitor, smoking the big cigar. <laughs> you know, it's all about special effects. Terrence, he takes the camera off by himself. I mean, he's not the youngest, but he is in it and he is hiking up and down the hill he takes the camera he's even helping me to change the hair in between <laughs> he's hands on hands on you can see you can see the passion there like you can see yeah. he just cares about it that much <clears throat> yes yes it's almost like um when <clears throat> i started out 20 25 years ago and I did all those independent movies, mm-hmm. you know, which is not union, they don't have a lot of money. So, and everybody's doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. That is almost that feel, but then on a bigger scale. That's amazing. That's my dream. It's my, I'm, my absolute passion in my life to be a makeup artist, a traveling, working makeup artist. <laughs> Is, is film specifically where you feel at home? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's Because again, all my TV shows, Sharp Objects, I did Big Little Lies, uh, mm-hmm. The Affair for Showtime. But this is still creative. It's still great. But I work here on the Sony lot, you know, where 
the resources are pouring down on you mm-hmm. and we are 20 makeup people and then there is a special effect team coming in and there is a special person for wigs and the manicurist tells Malik we are four people we have to do it all you know so Terrence Malik is make him older make him more fucked up make him messy so I cannot just call hey special <laughs> effect you know uh, we need an old age maker <laughs> no you know Do you th- so, does it feel excessive then when there's that many people like when there are too many people does it feel like you don't need that um hmm for me personally it gets boring mhm you know, I mean, I think that is a very personal question. I think a lot of makeup people would answer no, because then I can focus on one or two right. and be perfect again. For me, it's like I want to do more. I like that's why I like the movie business. It's it's you know mm-hmm. I have to be physical right. more active and more you know that's and i like it you know when you do tv also you sometimes each episode is directed from a different director right you know very often so it's it's a different it's a different engagement you know Absolutely. so if you have really one director in in one story it's different, you know, than going episodically and each episode you have a new director and, you know. For sure. But then again, whatever, you know, TV is more in town. I like to travel. Mm-hmm. I like to travel. I like standing in the middle of the Austrian Alps and then... Valerie needs some extensions, you know, for the movie. And I'm like, ah, where do, how do we do that now? <laughs> That's what I love. That's exciting. That's creativity. That's exciting. Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> I feel very, I feel very kindred to that. I feel the uh-huh. same way. How did you know that you wanted to do makeup? Was your, was your upbringing artistic and creative? Your environment? Yeah. Um. That's actually a funny story, and I thank you for asking. (laughs) So when I was like 16, 17, I wanted to become a painter. I had nothing else. I was playing with colors. I was painting everything on everything. Um, I wanted to be an artist. My parents were terrified. (laughs) So my parents were just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, she just wants to be an artist. How is she making money? Uh, how how we do this? So there was a lot of family anxiety. My mom is a hairdresser. So, and then my dad came up to me and said, Claudia, I have a proposal. You become a hairdresser. You do the two and a half year trainee. You will get your cosmetology license then I will sleep good in the night because I at least think mm-hmm. 
that you have some sort of a regular profession. And after you've done that, you go to art school if you still want to do this. And I said, okay, it's a deal. So then I started becoming a hairdresser, and I already had this, oh, this is a cool medium, actually. You can curl hair, you can color hair, you can straighten hair, you can cut it, you can build it up. Not bad. While I was in training for the cosmetology license, I came across makeup. And I was like, oh, that is fun. It's the same principle. Highlights, lowlights, color themes, mixing colors. So, and I got a little hook on that. But still, after the cosmetology, I went to art school. In order to pay for all of that, I modeled for the hair industry. So I thought they can cut my hair, they can do whatever. So I need the money. But I always had that in my mind. Oh, I like that. They are fun too. So and then with the years, the Art Institute, me still being in the hair, makeup, modeling. So and then what I learned in the Art Institute, then I did private makeups. And that's how I became a makeup artist. So, and today I, my profession is a makeup artist and my hobbies are painting. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get into film? Um, slowly, slowly. In Germany, in Germany, I mean, it's really, it's not a profession what you see in advertisement in the magazine. So, you really, you go through photographers. Then you go through a little channels like uh, ktla or something like that you ask if you can do uh, an internship or you know so then you do couple i did couple photo shoots then i worked a little bit for the fashion industry and then in germany i got uh, little tv things i could do you know with hidden cameras like these 6 p.m <laughs> 30-minute TV things, you know, and then I really developed from there, you know, and on every job, you meet people, you know, hey, what did you do last? Oh, I worked on that movie. Oh, really? Who was the director? Who was the production? You know, and then you literally go step by step by step, and it's it's a lot of, of course, three steps ahead, two steps back, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think it's truly my passion. So I never was, my main motivation is not the money or not, my motivation is really to fulfill my creativity. So, and I was always like, I don't care, I can go wherever the work is and, you know, I can do whatever I want to do and I made a lot of compromises, not compromises, for example, I was already in the US, and then I got a great offer to work in Germany, but they didn't want to pay for my hotel, so I just paid for the hotel, (laughs) you know, because I saw it always as investment in myself and in my job, and that's how I met a lot of people from all over the place, and... And then you get referred, you know, so, and now I'm here and now I'm union. I, 
had an Emmy nomination for Big Little Lies. Congrats. That was really nice. So I'm very grateful. Very, very grateful. It's not an easy path, but if you're really truthful and passionate, it will pay off big time. Mm-hmm. I think your motivations just need to be in the right place. and you, Yes. You can't lose sight of what you want, I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know. Where do you feel like you're at in your career? Like, do you feel like you've gotten into your groove and you're like... Yes, yes, yes. I'm absolutely happy where I am. Where I am now, I wanted to arrive, you know. that, And I'm glad that I had all those years before where, like, I was with an agency that only did commercials and photo shoots. Mm -hmm. I did that for a while. Like I said, I worked for the fashion industry for a while. I wasn't really sure, you know, where is my place. So I did weddings for a while. Mm -hmm. First I thought, oh, this is cute, and it's a happy, happy thing. But it's not at all. (laughs) It's way too stressful. (laughs) Way than movies, I thought, <laughs> you know. So I'm right. glad that I experienced all those outlets, what I could do as a makeup and hair artist, you know. So, but the film was always what I liked the most. Have you always, would, have you loved film your whole life? Like, watching yes. it? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think it's a fabulous storytelling. I love it, I love it. And then, also from the other side, I mean, Keaton, think about it. Terrence Malik is prepping his movie. So, and then, 200 people coming together, not usually knowing each other, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's boot camp, and you create something. And then, the script comes alive. It's magic. It's, it's actual magic is what it is. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. it really is, you know, and so many times I read the script and then months later we're doing it and I'm like, oh my God, I thought completely in a different way, you know, so it's really great and once I've done a movie, sometimes when I have time I go back and go through the script mm-hmm. again and through my notes. It's funny. It's really, it's really fun. How was it's seeing, magic. how was seeing a hidden life after you worked on it? What did that feel like watching it? Um, the first time I watched it, we had a crew meeting. We rented the whole theater mm-hmm. and we arranged a crew meet. So for me, it was like, I mean, I saw it three years later, which is good, you right. know, because that's a lot of. That's a lot of perspective, yeah. Yeah, you are not like, oh my God, because usually when I watch a movie I worked on, I know every single thing what happened in that scene. I know where I'm standing, Mm -hmm. I know what was going on before and after. So usually it takes me a moment to just be with the movie and not think, oh my God, I could see that, Mm -hmm. which no one else will. So when I saw him live after the first, <coughs> excuse me, 30 minutes, I was just in the movie. And at the end of the movie, I was crying. And at 
half of the people were crying. And they were all the people who did the movie, who know exactly what... Right. Oh, goodness. You're frozen. You froze. Hold on, Claudia. I cannot hear you. Goodness gracious. Uh oh. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. I'm trying to figure out the video now. Do do do. Okay, I can see you again. Can you see me okay. and hear me still? Yes. Yes, okay. I can still. Okay. Wonderful. To remove my makeup artist hat and just be Claudia and watch and be carried with the story. Absolutely. And I was, I mean, it was funny because first I thought, I know what's coming. Just let's check out how I did with the makeup. Mm -hmm. But really, I could really let go and I was, and I was proud. I was incredibly proud. And it was, after the movie, it was a lot of... Oh, there you go again. All right, hold on a second here. I, I believe we're fine now. A lot of people are, you know, online and streaming and whatnot, you know. Yeah. So I guess the grid is a little busy. <laughs> for sure. It's, it's also must be exciting for you, too, considering how Terrence, like seeing how much footage he shoots like it i assume it must have been exciting to just see what he did decide to pick yeah. and what he did decide yeah. to put yeah. in the film yeah All, always interesting always interesting but for hidden life i did not miss anything i was i didn't even think about what was missing or not missing really I'm no, not at all. I mean, after the movie, the crew had dinner and we talked about it. And then, I don't know, I think one PA said, yeah, but you remember that one scene? And we like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, was not in it. Right. Was not missing. Was not missing at all, at all. I'm so, so happy you got to have that experience for such a cohesive, perfectly, like... Yeah. But then again, I think also... But Terrence is very good to pick his core people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you t you saw Lissy. Lissy is also very. No, she has she has the same energy of just like thoughtfulness, understanding what she's doing, really believing in what she's doing, not just yes. da 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 da. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, and I have colleagues who said to me, I could not work with Terrence Malik at all because. They need more structure. Yeah, right. They need to absolutely know on Monday what scene are we doing on Thursday, right. what time. So if you need that security in order to perform, then Terrence Malik is not your right director to work with, mm -hmm. you know? So... If, but if you are really willing to trust and let go, yeah, I think it's one of the most beautiful experience in lifetime. Absolutely. I mean, it's it sounds a lot like how life is. Like there are just a lot of little things that you don't need to you don't need to focus your energy on them. Things are yeah. things are going to happen as they do. So yes, yes, 
absolutely. When when did you see Hidden Life? I mean, a while ago, I would say. Huh? But... Um, I want to say January. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. it was. It was weird because since the production company through the movie was I through Disney, they were being really weird with the screenings. Like they wanted to. They were trying to put a hidden life in theaters the same way they do with like a Disney film where it needed yeah. to be on all of the screens for like a long period of time during the day. And a lot of theaters wouldn't do that because they couldn't afford the screen time for like a three hour Malik film. Yeah. And so my options were very limited and I had to drive. I think I drove like an hour and a half and it was oh. it was like the last it was the last showing like it was the oh last showing before they before they discontinued it. And I, I barely caught it on like a Thursday at noon, I think. <laughs> but it was it was really nice because it was just me and like two other people in this big theater. And it's this beautiful old theater where, you know how like old theater rooms will be like flatter? Oh, oh poor connection again. Goodness, goodness. Uh-uh. I can hear you. I can't see you. I can hear you too. Okay. 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 I can still hear you. Well, if we can hear each other. <laughs> yeah, but it... I was very disappointed um, when uh, Terrence saw it hidden. It was still Fox Searchlight. Yeah. And they promised him, us, the production, a completely different outlet. But then six months later, Disney bought Fox Searchlight. Right, yeah. And Absolutely. Because I think he did a phenomenal job as well the actor, you know. So, but yeah. when the whole Fox Searchlight and Disney went down, hidden life took a little. Yeah, there were there were so many people that weren't able to see it because all yeah. the main theaters that I usually see like movies of that nature at, it wasn't it just wasn't playing, and I didn't know why, and that's when I researched it. But yeah, when I when I did see it. The theater I went to, it was one of those theaters where it's very flat. It's not like steep like this, like modern theaters, but it was an old, wide, like nice. flat theater. And that was really beautiful. Like I, I felt that was appropriate for the movie. And I sat like right in the middle. So, so that was really nice. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had just watched the movie earlier in that day, actually. So I was like <laughs> movied out <laughs> by the end of the day. Because Ter- Terrence's movie is like... I wa- I only watch them when I'm in the mood to like, <laughs> like completely put myself into it because they're so wide, so like encapsulating. But yeah, I loved it. I would I would love to watch it again. I had one uh, private conversation with Terrence, and um, it was kind of a little bit where I said, "How? Oh, why is it so long? Why? <laughs> why? You know, two three hours." And he was just because I want that you feel it and not just see it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I want that you feel it. It it takes patience for a long movie for sure. You have to be you have to give yourself away to it and be like, well, this is the story. Yeah. Like, and when you, when you consider the actual story that it's the movie's based upon, 
it absolutely deserves like meditation and a long period of time to sit with it and look at it so you can have those faces like ingrained in your mind yes. Yes, so i think yes. i think it fit very well yes i don't know if lissy maybe mentioned it that we had two of his daughters visiting us on set Mm-mm. i don't think she so, i don't think she did remember uh, they had three kids mm-hmm. and two of them um I hope they're still alive. I think she's, yeah, I think she mentioned she spoke with them. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In her research. Yeah. Because she said she is originally I, from the area that the the film is, is based on. And that yeah. was, like, really strong for her, which I thought was beautiful. Because, like, absolutely, that, just even having, like, the costume designer being being that close to the story, like, makes the movie even better. Because you know that yeah. she understands at least like a lot of dimensions about that story and about that location that other people may not be able to. Yes. Yes. So that was very special and again, very helpful for all of us to meet really the kids, the survivors, the daughters of him, you know, Mm -hmm. and we also visit the original little village he was from. Wow. So that is, but that's also, it's a whole package. It's not a coincidence. Right. For Terrence, it's not a coincidence to go there. To You have to, like, to, to get it, to, like. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a, I think it's a form of respect. Like, if you're going to tell somebody's story, you know, you want to do everything you can to try to, to try to empathize and, and tell it the best you can. Yes. For sure. So where are you actually sitting? You are East Coast? Yeah, I'm in Michigan. Ah, okay. How's Michigan? Oh, not great, Claudia. Not great. (laughs) Um, On Wednesday, we just had a protest. People are are protesting the governor, um, claiming that the restrictions are are excessive. And that's really weird. (laughs) Because, I don't know. There's times. there's a lot of there's a lot of selfishness happening in Michigan right now that makes me sad and I I just can't understand it I guess um, I don't know it's weird for me because because right now is an objectively tough time like money for a lot of people and jobs are up in the air everything's scary that goes without saying yeah. but like we're we're given the decision right now to make some very serious moral decisions and to this is, I think, right now is showing your character strongly how you react, how you behave, how you speak of it, and like I've been using this time as an opportunity because like I've been meditating and practicing yoga more and bike riding and reading and like because that because I can treat it like that. I can either treat it and be scared and freak out, or I can see it as an opportunity to reflect and to just look at things because there's there's so much that's out of my control and that's what i think people get caught up on is they they don't like not having control over what they do especially in america and especially in a, in a lot of the places where i'm from and it's just it's this strange sort of entitlement that i can't i can't seem to understand so michigan's goofy right now <laughs> i th- i think we're still in the top five of the most cases um thankfully i'm 
distance from Detroit, which is the the hot spot mm -hmm. or the, I see. But but I'm you know yeah. we're trying. We're trying mm -hmm. we're trying just the same as anyone else. So but yeah. I'm good. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. You know. So yeah, here Burbank is yeah, it's strange. It's it's I mean, like you said, all those uncertainties. Of mm -hmm. course I talk every day with my union, what is the IATSE doing? Right. You know, what I mentioned in the beginning, you know, how are we getting back to work and what's going on so but i really try to stay in the moment do my best every day i clean my makeup stuff waiting <laughs> for the next project <laughs> whenever that might be how how is your painting do you does your painting change a lot or is it usually the same sort of things the same sort of colors like how how has this situation changed the way you're painting if at all oh you can you can tell my mood you can tell my mood. I uh, I like mixed media mm -hmm. um, because my realismus I have in the movies where I have to be realistic. Right. You know where if I have to do dank makeup, I literally have to meet with the corona people and go there and. Right. So this is all too real for me. So I when I work, I like texture. I like color and. Absolutely. You know, so it's it's. But I, because it's just a hobby. I don't want to think. You know, I don't want to. Right. I don't want to say, oh, I paint now today, and I paint the tree. I I usually go and have my music on or in silence, and I just get my canvas and try with texture, and then the mm -hmm. color comes. And it's a lot of adding and removing, and adding and removing. And it's funny when I see all what I did. So I have very dark pieces. Mm -hmm. But then if you go closer, you see what's inside because it's mixed media. So you have a right. lot of depth and textures. And sometimes it's just pink and blue. <laughs> I was very happy that more, you know. So I think yeah. that's how you can see, right. you know, where I am. Or I... I started a, a series with flags, so hmm. I was fascinated every country and where the flag is coming from, and the world has to unite, we have to come together, it's really just one planet, we have to save, you know, the climate and this and that, so, and then I'm working now on, for example, I do the American flag, but in the American flag is the Eiffel Tower mm. or the London Eye, you know, because yeah. I put kind of like photographs embedded in the texture yeah. and color. That's beautiful. That's really, you know, that's really relevant right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I was like, you know, but I always, and then I put this away and then I had a, a while where everything was floating so i had a high floating acrylic where pretty much i just put the acrylic in and i was dancing with the canvas mm. and everything was flowing ah. <laughs> and i thought oh what's happening this is interesting <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know? so this is just the moment mm -hmm. in the moment 
and sometimes you know when I get up in the morning and I'm thinking what did I do last night <laughs> but it's it's makes me feel good <laughs> what kind of music do you listen to when you paint oh what uh, oh I think I'm a huge influenced by my husband yeah uh, yes yes uh, he grew up in the 90s in Seattle oh wow so <laughs> he is a huge I mean I'm a huge Chris Cornell fan bless his heart um, all of that I love you know I love his like his solo work because he has despite like all the rock and just the rawness of like Soundgarden and everything else just one of the most beautiful voices ever have you heard, have yeah. you heard his rendition of Ave Maria before no I don't think so you, you should look it up he, he has a rendition of Ave Maria and it's oh. breathtaking like oh, really wow. really beautiful yeah, I love, I mean, when we got together, he introduced me to bands, Mother Love Bone, the, mm-hmm. United, the presidents of the United States, oh, I had no idea, but <laughs> I love this. But then on the other side, I also hear classic. I do like my classic music. I've been listening no, to a lot. Just classic. I like my Beethoven, Mozart, Bach. Mm-hmm. Really, the old-fashioned. It's a completely different world. Absolutely, yeah. it all it all depends what? on the mood for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you used yeah. the word um, meditative earlier. Do you meditate or practice yoga yes. yourself? Yes, yes, I do. I do. I have to. <laughs> what What does your to. meditation look like? Uh, it's 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 for me. I either way be really by myself i do not have that typical that position yeah yeah i think it's, that's just silly you know so i just really sit down and just focus usually on one word gratefulness and then i go from there until mm-hmm. my head is empty you know sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't right um, i also like to be in nature for that you know so i I can get distracted very easily, especially mm-hmm. here in LA. Absolutely. So I, I even I meditate hiking. You know, I'm focusing on nature, and I get a lot of energy out of that. Beautiful. It's nice, and I also have that app on my phone, Calm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really does work. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's it's really nice. Before you go to bed, you put your ten minutes whatever on and yeah. you know it's it's really nice and years ago i did the artist way mm-hmm. do you know about the artist way no. the book um what's the name julia cameron it's called the artist way mm-hmm. it's a workshop you can do hang on it's what's and there are also like i have these playing cards mm. it's a beautiful it's a whole workshop. It's a whole book, you know, and there are little, little things, practicing things, you know. So it, it says, write a letter to someone who you haven't talked to in 20 years, but you don't send the letter away. You right. know, there are all kinds of, you know, little things what I try to practice in my everyday. <laughs> Absolutely. So... And that's fine. So later on, 
I will mix all those parts, uh -huh. you know, and then, you know, artist way, a loyal friend, you know, and then it says, anger is our friend, not a nice friend, not a gentle friend, but a very, very loyal friend. It will always tell us when we have betrayed ourselves. It will always tell us when it's time to act in our own best interests. Mm. So there are all those little things I do. <laughs> I, I can absolutely but, feel it in, in the way that you speak and the way that you carry yourself. So if Very I much had so. to check it out, the artist way. I will, for sure. Julia Cameron. Julia Cameron. All right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful book it's like a workbook it's not just a book you read mm -hmm. it's a book where you have to write down things I'll, I'll definitely probably order that and see how see how it works for me it's really fun it's really fun and then all those you know you you uh, paint a circle and then it says okay you have five minutes and you put all the friend name in the circle and then you have five minutes you put friends names outside of the circle and then later you think about it. That's interesting. Who did I put in right. the circle? And who did I put That's, outside yeah. the circle? It's really, you have to take it out. I, I did will. This, it's a workshop. Like I said, you can get the book. But mm -hmm. here in LA, there's also a two-month workshop where you mm. go every Monday and do this in a group. I love that. So I did this in 2013. And I think that was the last push for me to just be open don't be afraid of failure don't be afraid to repeat five times the same thing until maybe you get it right mm -hmm. don't be afraid of people you know so it's really nice really really fun and then the first thing when they told me write down 10 things you are grateful for I mean Keaton I was like oh my god oh my god what am I grateful for oh my god oh my god you know, and then the woman who guided the workshop, uh -huh. she was so lovely. She said to me, did you have breakfast this morning? Right. And I'm like, where is she going to? <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. And she said, you like coffee? And I'm like, uh-huh. Are you grateful for that cup of coffee? And I'm like, yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. You can write, yeah. you can write anything down. You, yeah. you have to practice gratitude in everything that you do. Yeah. But that opened me up how sometimes we get this you know and yeah. we're so tense and and the world is so complicated right now with the greed and with the powers and so and yeah and then started going out in nature and meditating and maybe it sounds funny but i literally can sit on a bench and just look at the clouds for 20 minutes it's not funny at all it's 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 <laughs> It's where we it's where we belong. I wish more people. I wish more people did it. People, I don't know. People convince themselves. Like, isn't that weird? That it's weird to just sit and look at the sky. Yeah. Like that shouldn't be weird, you know. No, it should not. More people should just stop and just look at things because everything's just beautiful all the time. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and right now, there's just a lot being done out of hatred and like fear, and it's it's scary. It's really scary. Cause, and there's also a lot being done out of love, and that's what you can see is, like, like this is the time to care. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Forward that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the chat. It was oh, so it was lovely, lovely talking to you. It was nice.